The man, the myth, the legend. There he is. Pastor Dan. He's not the man with all the answers, but he will point us to the man with all the answers. Is that right? You guys are always so good looking. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you knew it, but I have an elementary ed degree, and I taught school for five years before God made me do this ministry. <laughs> and uh, I went to a Catholic university because it had a University of Portland, it's a cat, private Catholic university, and it had an excellent elementary ed program. So. I was glad to go there and took a few Catholic theology classes as required by their rules. And My favorite thing there was the bookstore where they had a sign up that said, Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> I always loved that. You know, where do you see that in bookstores? <laughs> well, I came across this uh, little story of kids in a parochial school, cafeteria, going through the line. And the first uh, part of the, as they're moving their trays along, there's a bowl of beautiful apples. And there's a sign that the cafeteria leader had put there. It said, take only one. God is watching. <laughs> and then they went through the line. They got their food. And at the end was a big bowl of brownies. And some student had written and put a sign in the brownies and said, take all you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. We're beginning a series, probably about eight-part series with our preaching team called Jesus Life Refresh 2024. And I think each one of these messages are going to be very, very helpful in transforming us into a restoration of our first love for Jesus. Do you know the first love for Jesus is a beautiful, beautiful love? And do you find it sometimes in your heart that, wow, I need a refresh on my first love for Jesus. And you start asking him for it, and he starts giving it to you. And there's no into the beauty and the joy of that first love for Jesus that really sets you on fire in a way that captivates every cell in your body and your soul and your mind is just enthralled with his beauty, his grace, all the good things of the kingdom. So I'm going to do the first talk in that series today. It's called Savoring Our Great Salvation. I know many of us think of our salvation as when we said the sinner's prayer, and it's a meaningful time, an important time. But it's, it's, it's crucial that we understand that salvation in the Bible, uh, the word so-so, or soteria, salvation in the Bible, is a, uh, is a multifaceted, multinuanced blessing concept. 
describing an experience that is uh, lifelong. And it involves healing, it involves transformation from glory to glory into the presence of Jesus. It involves profound signs and wonders experiences for each of us individually. It, it involves a deepening of appreciation and pondering and, and uh, meditating and savoring and delighting in the wonderful realities that God has imposed on us and imparted to us as individuals in Jesus Christ. And it's the kind of thing that can move us in a way that rocks us and continually rocks us and energizes us for life because of its, its power. It's like we have a taste of what heaven will be like. We're just electrified with his presence and his, um, and his goodness to us and how that goodness is expressed. You know, many of you know my wife Brenda here is an artist and I always enjoy the... She's always surprising to me what she comes up with with her artwork. It's always a mystery to me how she can do that. And, and uh, one of her beautiful idiosyncrasies is to start decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving starts. <laughs> and so our whole living room and our whole house and coffee cups, are, can't, I can't find any of my coffee cups. They've all been replaced by Christmas mugs. And, and uh, Christmas trees up. I haven't decorated a Christmas tree in 47 years. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, and this is expressive of who she is. But the blessing, one of the great blessings that I get personally from the, from the decorating of Christmas, from even Santa Claus, who represents St. Nicholas, who was an amazing saint, if you do any read, reading about him, um, Christmas carols and stores, decorations, even the focus on the surging economy where many businesses get 80% of their business or 90% of the business in December. I always see these as triggers into the mystique of Christmas. The transcendent spirituality that speaks to the eternity that God has put in the heart of every man and every woman. The desire for transcendence, the desire for connection with the eternal, the desire for spirituality. We live in a nation that's quite materialistic. Science has morphed into scientism which defines reality only in terms of science. And if you can't prove it scientifically, then you want nothing to do with it. I want to tell you, even the, in political movements over the last hundred years, politicians, no matter what brand they are, tend to want to reduce human uh, behavior to something they can control with simplistic notions. Can I just give you one example? Uh, the vaccine. All these options for healing during the pandemic, all these options that each doctor could have used their own judgment to implement, 
were thrown out by our federal government, basically, essentially. I'm not, you know, I'm over, I, might be over, I might be exaggerating a bit. But, but there was this re, the reductionism to this one simple thing. We are mom and dad, and we are only offering you the vaccine. That's the only thing. Now that the pandemic, we got tired of the pandemic and wearing masks, so now they're opening up everything. Doctors can choose to utilize whatever they want to utilize for each of us for, for therapy. But that's one example. Another example is maybe you've seen this um, emphasis. Maybe you've seen it on yard signs. Love is love. I welcome immigrants. I welcome immigrants. I do. I welcome immigrants that are willing to go through the legal process of the law. But the whole notion of I welcome immigrants was rather amusing in Martha's Vineyard, very wealthy northeast United States uh, community, were really proud of themselves for welcoming immigrants. So one of our borderline governors shipped several busloads of immigrants and let them off in Martha's Vineyard. And everybody in Martha's Vineyard freaked out. Now, they have, they're millionaires. They could develop a welcoming center. They could have had the most expensive, beautiful welcoming center in the world. But instead, they screamed, we can't accommodate this. We're not able to do this. And so they got them out of there. All the immigrants had to leave. But then the year later, they had a big party in, in Martha's Vineyard celebrating how they had welcomed the immigrants a year ago. Way to go. We sure did a good job. So there's this, uh, this reductionism. And I want to tell you something about that humanistic reductionism. I hope you're listening to this. That it's tedious and it, it's an indirect confrontation to that within us that longs for transcendence that longs for the more. I was talking to a young man yesterday at a bus stop, intelligent, easy discussion, not hostile, but he was saying stuff like Christianity is the source of wars, and I said, no, religions has been the source of lots of wars, not Jesus' life. And I said, besides, atheist governments, Marxism, uh, uh, Mao Zedong, and Stalin and Lenin, they killed millions and millions of more people than the Crusades did. But still, I'm not justifying the Crusades. It's done in the name of religion, not Jesus, not true, true Jesus life. But he grew up in a home that was highly religious, but not jesus not relationally, not a transcendent connection with Jesus, not a spiritual connection with Jesus. So he's throwing all that away, and he just says, I'm going to any kind of spirituality I can find. And I, you know what I said to him? I said, I am in favor of spirituality. I think Confucius, I think Buddha, I think a lot of the Eastern religions have some elements in them that speak some truth. But this is what I said to him. 
They are like little appetizers for Jesus, who is, who has, who is, just like a full-on Thanksgiving dinner. You know what he said? He started laughing. He said, "Well, you got me there." That's what he said to me. Yeah. So I walked away while I was ahead. But you see, we're wired for something more. Yeah. Brenda and I were at the Medford Rogue Valley Art Walk. What was it called? Um, Friday night. Friday night, Medford. We went to different art galleries. Brenda had one of her paintings, and so we wanted to go and see that and be proud of it. And I was proud of her talking to people about her art. And we All these different art galleries we were looking at. And one of the places had all these 20-somethings sitting around. And boy, you know, it reminded me of seeing the Hare Krishnas uh, back years ago. There was this just talk about all this Eastern religion stuff. And it just reminded me that there's that within us that longs for the more. That is dissatisfied. It's a, what they call postmodern uh, thinking. Postmodern thought is that, you know what? This material world doesn't satisfy. That's why I think a lot of... Uh, even corporations that are willing to lose money in order to pick up a cause is because they realize that just money-making is tedious, doesn't satisfy. So they want to have a cause bigger than themselves. So they embrace causes that are anti-God, anti-Scripture, but they're causes that are an attempt to lift them. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, ultimately... It's not a Thanksgiving dinner. It's not a Thanksgiving dinner. So when I see the Christmas stuff, and I just invite you to do this with me, let it trigger for you thoughts and ponderings of the great themes of Jesus' salvation that are expressed in seed form in the Christmas story but they're amplified throughout the New Testament. And let them move your heart to the Thanksgiving dinner, the more, the Jesus life, the wonder and beauty of what Mary did when she pondered the things in Luke 2 of the shepherds having the angels visit them and speak to them. And it says that the that the, the shepherds you know, their way of meditating and pondering and savoring was to talk about it. They were exuberant. They couldn't keep still about it. And have you noticed that whenever you talk with someone about the good things of God, either a miracle that you've experienced, a God dream that you had, or something cool? I remember talking about miracles that I had in my life. I remember when I... When I was baptized. I've said this hundreds of times to you guys over the years that when I was baptized, I was shocked that the Holy Spirit was was so friendly. I'd always known him as a convicting spirit up to that point. And he was so welcoming and warm and comforting. I never wanted to leave that spot. It was a God experience. And I remember seeking God for the for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I I wanted more than more than just one encounter with God. I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I uh, went out and walking in our field on a summer 
night and I just was crying out to God and I and all of a sudden he was there. All of a sudden he filled me. And I experienced the profound profund, profundity of the depth, the infinite depth of a personal visitation from God. So much I just had to crash to my knees because I was having a God encounter. It's a beautiful sign and a wonder to me. I savored and value those things. And this is a, this is the kind of thing that the shepherds couldn't keep still about in their experience of well, why don't I just read it to you? I'm not gonna have it on the on screen because it's lengthy. And I just want impressionistically uh, for you to receive this word and I'm going to to you know talk with the time I have left, however long that is, uh, from it. My goal isn't to complete my sermon, my talk is to just ramble on for 30 minutes and then we'll be done. <laughs> Luke 2, verse 8. Don't, you've heard this so many times it can burn over your mind. Try to let it sink deep. Holy Spirit, do that for us. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, which means look at it carefully. An angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the word there is megaphobia in the Greek. They were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, look at it, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. Hmm. I think as they began to talk about it, the beauty and joy and the reality of it was just amplified. Because anytime you give away something sponsored by the Holy Spirit, he gives you twice as much or more. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And that's my uh, key phrase that I want to talk about. I felt the Holy Spirit was especially highlighting. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She savored them. The Greek word for pondered is sunatere, uh, and it means to treasure up. In other words, she she thought and considered and treasured both the experiences that uh, that she had been having. She would you agree? She had some supernatural experiences recently, and she was treasuring those the the supernatural experience of heaven breaking in for the shepherds, and she was savoring and treasuring and meditating on. And, in, and indulging the joy and the wonder of not only the experience, 
experience of the shepherds, but the message that the angels gave to the shepherds, the message that the angels given to her. So you see, it's very consistent with Matthew's account where the Magi had experiences, supernatural experiences of the star, following the star, but they also had them, they also valued and interpreted their experience through the word. The experience didn't have any profound ultimate meaning for them unless they could get to Jerusalem and find out where this baby king was to be born, what the holy scriptures had to say about where the baby was to be born. I think it's fascinating that in as the shepherds uh, went and talked about what had happened, it says that they talked about all that was had happened to them and all that was said to them. They interpreted what happened through what was said. The lens for understanding our experiences in God is the Holy Bible, the words of the Holy Bible, the words of the apostolic teaching of the New Testament. And when you consider, if you rewind to chapter one of Luke, as Mary is visiting her cousin Elizabeth, who, she, who was barren and wasn't, it was too old to have children, it was barren, had been barren for years. All of a sudden, she's with child. Mary, who's also with child by the Holy Spirit, goes to visit her. And the babe uh, um, leaps in her womb. Uh, um, uh, Martha's, uh, or uh, her, what was the cousin? Elizabeth's, yeah, womb. And there is this, uh, there's this in Mary, a surge of the Holy Spirit. You know what she starts doing? If you read the, what's called the Magnificant, Mary's song, Mary's praise song, look at it again this Christmas time sometime soon. Because here's what happens. She is absolutely out of her mind with joy at what God had done for her. And she starts saying what God had done for her in the first half of the song. But do you know what she does in the second half of the song? She has internalized the promises of the Messiah and the promises of the blessing of God, the promises of the Abrahamic blessing. And the second half of the song is one phrase after another, after another, after another that she has personally owned because she's meditated on it and pondered it and thought about it as it has been read um, week after week in the synagogues that she worshiped in. So you see, it's not just going after charismatic or Holy Spirit experiences per se. That will for you and that will for me end up supremely, ultimately, just like only eating dessert at Thanksgiving dinner. It's good, but honey, it's not going to last very long. And it's going to keep make you unhealthy. But when you have the word of God that interprets the experiences for you, and you're honoring the promises of the Bible, the promises of the apostolic teaching, and you are humbly doing your best to obey the directives of the New Testament, 
and the commands of the New Testament that are designed to release life to us in Jesus and continually refresh us with, with, the, with, the, with great waves and great depths of a personal affection for the things above and the things of heaven and the things of, um, and the things of Jesus so that we fall in love over and over and over again, not with, just with the blessings of the kingdom, but with the kingdom. Welcome. You fall in love with the king. It's all linked to treasuring. The shepherd's treasured by talking about it. Mary treasured by measuring it by meditating on it, savoring it. She pondered these things in her heart. One thing that accelerates the pondering is thanking and praising God for what you're pondering about, what you're thinking about. The shepherds in praising Jesus to the people, everybody they met, they couldn't keep still about it was aligning that were they were relining, re, they were aligning themselves with heaven's praise the angels broke out of heaven into earth on Jesus' birth and they were praising God in the in the anointing and power of the holy spirit the angels the shepherds found themselves aligning with that and speaking praise as well and heaven invades them in their hearts, even as they're talking about it. When I prepare to preach, I'm interested, very interested in what I'm doing, what I'm reading about, the blessings I'm getting. It's great. But as I declare it, the anointing of God comes on me. The anointing abides. I don't beg for the anointing every week. The Bible says the anointing abides. I take it by faith. And if you're not getting anything out of this, I don't blame my, I don't blame me, I blame you. <laughs> but there's something about the declaration. Something about the proclamation. Jesus gave his blood. When we give are willing to humbly give our words and confess him to others. He's so happy about it, he confesses you before the angels of heaven, before the Father. He's so happy about it. But there's also this thing that happens in the anointing of the Spirit in your life that increases and amplifies the beauty of what you're savoring, the beauty of what you're pondering, the wonder of what you're reflecting about. You can be very vocal like the shepherds. I hope there are times that you do that. Many of you are very vocal and expressive in praise and worship. But the ones of us that sit quietly and aren't expressive, more like Mary, 
maybe with a tear running down your cheek, as you consider in the context of the church at praise, that's just as profound an experience as the person that's dancing. Or raising their hands. What are some of the things that Mary savored? Consider a couple of them. One, Mary would have savored her salvation from God anxiety. There are people that don't have God anxiety, but someday they will. There are people that think of God, when they do think of God, as just the man upstairs. I heard a guy say once, if there is a God, I can't wait to meet him because I'm going to punch him in the nose. I'm going to tell you, that's not actually a very clear revelation of God. <laughs> you want a clear revelation of God? Here's a clear revelation of God. It's Moses asking to see his face and only getting to see his glory. Because he who sees God will die. Our flesh can't handle it. God expressed on Mount Sinai and the people says, you go up. I can't, we can't go up there. They're aware of his presence. Isaiah saying, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips when God shows himself to Isaiah. How about the resurrection of Jesus when the angel rolled back the stone and sat on it. And the Roman soldiers were so frightened by the presence of God that they were like dead men, breathing, alive, but so terrorized by the presence of God. Is it because God's mean? No, it's because he's so deeply glorious. What does Mary savor? Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. This is all the shepherds are telling Mary. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were mega phobos, mega phobia. Rightly so. Terrified. It's appropriate if you're without a saving, born-again experience, a confident faith in Jesus. It's not only appropriate, it is impossible that you will not be terrorized when you see him. You'll be spiritually naked and there's nothing that can cover you at that point. That's why it's important each of us are sure we get born again. And Colossians says, and we continue in the faith that we started with. But then this, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. What words to all of mankind? Do not be afraid. For unto you, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be 
to all people. For unto you, and I say to you and to you and to you and to you, who deserve to be terrorized in the presence of God when you die or when Jesus comes back. But because you have a Jesus connection, you can receive these words to your deepest heart. Megaphobia, you are fully neutralized. And all you have is mercy. All you have is kindness. The judge of all the earth looks at you with infinite kindness and love in his eyes. And there will never be a time in the history of your personal journey from this day forward that Jesus Christ will not be holding your hand and looking you in the eyes and saying, I'm proud to be your brother. I'm proud to be your savior. It was for the joy that was set before me I endured the cross, despising the shame. And I'm set down at the right hand of God. And you're here with me. You had a taste of it, many of you, at Thanksgiving when the family arrived. And Jesus will know it fully when he gathers all his blood-bought ones, his righteousified ones, those that have responded to him in childlike faith. He says, this is the joy that was set before me. And to help me to endure the cross, because I get you, you, you and you. Let's stand up. There's more to this. I'm always happy when I work hard. I'm preparing to preach and I only get through half of it. I don't have to work as hard next time. I invite you to um, come forward to get prayer for anything you'd like, body, soul, or spirit. If the ministry team can come on up here right now. We have an atmosphere and an environment at New Song Church for healing, for miracles. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Let there be a great asking today. We receive this benediction. Close your eyes. Put your hand in your heart. Close your eyes for a moment. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of us during these days of Christmas. And may the wonderful realities of his miraculous personal blessings to us amplified and blessed and in in union with his wonderful, wonderful word be a blessing to us and warm our hearts as we ponder them, reflect upon them, savor them, and celebrate them in the journey of our walk, our life, in a way that makes us atmosphere changers in the inside, carrying the atmosphere of heaven 
so that every room we walk into is transformed into a room where the presence of God emanates from us and blesses everybody in the room. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week.